everybody. Welcome to uh, another edition of the Dr. B Show. I have the great Kenneth Johnson. We discuss his career. We discuss his platform. Amazing interview. We discuss LinkedIn. Hope you enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Hi, Dr. B here. Are you struggling to get rid of stubborn fat but don't want to have plastic surgery? 111 Spa and Aesthetics Non-Invasive Slimming Massage can help you get the body you always wanted. 111 Spa and Aesthetics can also help you when it comes to cellulite treatments and body contouring massage. 111 Spa and Aesthetics offers a full range of skincare services, including facials, acne, scar treatments, skin tightening, microdermaspiration, and more. 111 Spa and Aesthetics are trained professionals with extensive skincare experience and utilize only the best equipment possible. For more information, please visit their website at www.111aesthetics.com. That's one O-N-E-11. L-E-V-E-N Spa Aesthetics.com located at 10 East Munaki Road in Hackensack, New Jersey 07601 and to make an appointment don't miss out 201-520-1777 201-520-1777 Spa and Aesthetics Hi, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Dr. B Show, season four. I am your host, Dr. B. I have the lovely, the honor, the privilege of having Mr. Kenneth Johnson on my show. Kenneth, how are you, sir? I'm exceptional today. <laughs> Thank you. Taping end of the year 22. So happy holidays in advance. And I know it won't air for a little bit, but it's always good to say that, right? So let's jump right into it. Uh, so can you tell everyone about yourself, sir? Sure. Uh, Kenneth L. Johnson, I'm president of East Coast Executives, founder of the uh, app Black Box. So East Coast Executives, we're a diversity recruitment firm with a focus on black and brown talent, specifically BIPOC talent, uh, to be exact. Uh, Companies come to us when they're looking to add diverse talent to their recruitment pipelines. That's the work we've done, and that's the work we've done for the past 21 years now. Uh, So really excited about, you know, things that are taking place in the overall workspace right now and workplace, uh, but uh, also extremely excited about Black Box. Black Box is an app that we created, and if you if you want to check it out, it's blkbox.tech. If you go there, you can catch the downloads. But Black Box is an app that we created specifically designed as a career resource portal for Black men. Uh, we were just kind of looking at some of the trends and some of the things going on in the, the space of workplace talent as it relates to black men. And it's very concerning and the numbers are very uh, alarming to a state, to an extent. And uh, we wanted to be a resource provider and add value at some level. So we created Black Box as a tool for people. And really anybody can go there. It's just the content comes from a certain voice, but you can find interview prep information. You can find any type of career resources, professional development tools, uh, opportunities for IT training, you name it, it's in the Black Box app, uh, including our Black Box app podcast, which we'll have to have you on one day as well. Absolutely, one of these days. So Black Box, B-L-K-B-O-X.tech, is that correct? Yes, if you go to blackbox.tech, you will find downloads for the Apple and Google Play stores. 
Awesome. No, thank you. And we'll touch on that in a little bit. So uh, I know I'm a big component of education. I'll as you can see all the stuff behind me. But, uh, <laughs> but you studied at the University of Pittsburgh uh, with a BS in industrial psychology and, of course, University of Maryland in economics. Uh, how did these two experiences help you shape into the person you are today? Yeah, I think, you know, so uh, University of Maryland dream school for me uh, just an amazing opportunity. Um, and <laughs> I didn't know, you know, coming. So I wasn't sure what I wanted to be. I used to see my father and my father had a 27, 28 year career with um, M&M Mars as a key account rep. So M&M Snickers, Three Musketeers, he sold to big box retailers and that was his job. But all I saw was him leave out the house in a suit every morning and I'd knew him to be a businessman. So, uh, you know, when I got to Maryland, there's no undergraduate business degree, but there's an economics degree. So in my mind, business equated to economics. So I took economics and it crushed me. It was a big wake up call. That was not the <laughs> macro, micro. I know all that yeah, stuff was like, what? I know. <laughs> yeah, like I got supply and demand, but after that, it was all over for me. Right. Um, so, uh, so econ, um, I realized that that probably wasn't going to be the lane that I needed to be in. It just so happened at the University of Maryland, uh, at least in the year that I came, they also they they assigned you uh, what they called an African American Studies counselor. Uh, so they assigned uh, African Americans that were attending the University of Maryland with a black counselor to also kind of hold your hand basically and talk to you about, you know, Hey, what did you do good in high school? What, what classes were you really good in? And let's kind of look at that. There's hundreds of majors and I think it was a good process for me. So, um, my, my counselor asked me about a high school class and that class was psychology. And, uh, so I said, you know what, I'll take a psych course, took a psych course, fast forward, uh, a lot of things happened at Maryland that uh, resulted in me transferring uh, to the University of Pittsburgh. And when I got to Pittsburgh, there was, you know, I, I'm speaking to my counselor there and they're like, well, we have a create your own major program. So econ, psychology, how about industrial psychology? How's that sound to you? And that sounded really, really good. And, and there we go. And that's kind of how that happened. Uh, my, my, my parents, and I'm from originally from the Pittsburgh area. Uh, so that was kind of going back home for me and uh, probably a, a really good move from that standpoint. Nice. Oh, amazing. It's an interesting journey. I always like to hear everyone's journey, right? Some folks is pretty black and white. Others is, you know, I want like, love to know like the in and outs of it, right? I, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I don't share this story often, but I'll, I'll take a deeper dive. You know, when I was at the University of Maryland, something happened that was really traumatic for a lot of us because there was a, a gentleman who was kind of like a hero to us on campus and his name was Len Bias and he died from a cocaine overdose. Mm. And it changed Maryland, it changed campus life, it changed a lot of things at the school, uh, especially as it related to 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 me and 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 some other people and uh with that being said i felt that it was probably time to go and i think my parents might have believed that as well so uh so yeah so that kind of necessitated i won't say necessitated that kind of led to the the transfer and uh and you know pitt was a safe place uh my cousin 
who's my best friend, was my roommate at Pitt. Our mothers are sisters. We're like brothers. He was my roommate at Pitt. I uh, had a couple people that I knew from Philadelphia, several people that I knew from Philadelphia uh, from high school and, and middle school in Philly and even grade school in Philly that went to Pitt. And they were, some of them ended up being roommates as well. So it was a soft landing spot for me and uh, probably a good place for me to be at the time. Yeah, soft landing spot, simple, you know, easy, easier transition than-, than Transition, yeah, yeah it, was, it was great. And I was probably 45 minutes from my parents' home. You can't, you can't beat that, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so in what shape or form did you land the recruiting? Can you kind of tell me how that all came about? Yeah, it's really, it's, it's, you know what? It's an interesting story, but I don't think it's an uncommon one. Um, you know, when I was when I was coming up on the end of my time at Pitt, you know, I started my job search like most of us do, and uh, I couldn't find a job. I really wanted uh, I wanted an opportunity. I didn't even care what the opportunity was in. I just wanted a job. I wanted to make some some real money. Um, so I go and I'm I'm doing interviews and things of that nature, unsuccessful and and landing a job. Some of it I believed was experience. Some of it I believed was straight discrimination. I'd like, I'll just call it what it is. Uh, but, you know, what do you do? So for me, uh, I went to a temporary staffing firm. And literally probably within the next week, I was working and receiving a paycheck. And I said, wow, this is amazing. You know, at least this gives me an opportunity to work and get to know the people that I'm working for. It's like a working interview. Right. And it worked out really well. So I went back to campus. I'm telling all my friends, uh, hey, this is the way to go. Like you can land a job with a staffing firm. And then, uh, you know, people started doing such and landing jobs. And I'm like, you know, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to own one of these? So I thought the lane for me was going to be staffing, meaning temporary staffing, uh, contract recruitment. Um, but I, I, I took that path. I still could not find a job opportunity in Pittsburgh. Nobody, none of the staffing firms would hire me. I would, they would send me on assignments, but they would not hire me internally. So I uh, moved back to Philadelphia. Uh, and it just so happened when I got to Philly um, through a, a series of series of things, I was able to land a job in the temporary staffing business. And really uh, the job that kind of set me off with two African-American women were starting an agency. Uh, it was called Alternative and Advanced Staffing, uh, Joyce Holly, Patricia Troy. Uh, and they gave me an opportunity to take a seat in their office to recruit and get a firsthand look at what that business looks like. And, uh, and that business, it looked good, but it wasn't the business for me. It allowed me to realize that there were things about temporary staffing that I didn't necessarily care for. So, uh, just so happened, the office manager there, her name is Janeth Cuthbert. She introduced me to a gentleman named Bernard Johnson, no relation, but Bernard owned an executive search firm called Urban Recruiters. And Bernard hired me uh, to work at Urban Recruiters as an executive search recruiter. And that's when I realized, oh, this is the lane for me. Let me get people hired on direct hire jobs that are permanent opportunities. And then I don't have to do all the handholding. I can just recruit them, introduce them to the company, get them hired and move on to the next situation. And that was a much better solution for me. 
Uh, that make, makes total sense. So, so, so I guess to answer your question, after working with Bernard for two years, exactly. um, <laughs> then I started my own firm, East Coast Executives, and I branded <laughs> it as a diversity recruitment firm. So, yeah, that's the close. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So I know you, you, like me, you're involved in several projects, right? Whether it's you're coaching with Forbes, the TEDx Harlem, National Urban League, uh, Black Box, and of course the president of uh, East Coast Executives. So is that was that the the, uh, the follow up question? Is that how you started the company, or can you tell me a little bit more about the story of how you started the company? Yeah, yeah. So I so I actually have a TEDx that speaks about this. I have a TEDx talk uh, called "The Face of Workplace Diversity," and you know here, here's kind of what happened. Um, I'm sitting. I had started my firm, East Coast Executives, as a recruitment firm on September 3rd, 2001. Eight days later, we experienced the attacks of 9-11. I'm sitting in my house. It's really crazy on TV. Like I'm watching everything that's happening in lower Manhattan. Um, turned off the TV, opened up Black Enterprise Magazine, saw a story about a gentleman named Kenneth Chenault, who had been named CEO at American Express. And in the article, it had mentioned that he was something like the only the third African-American male to be named CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And the light bulb went off. You know what? That's your mission, to, to recruit diversity into companies at some of the higher levels. So, uh, or at least to have some impact there. And uh, and that's kind of what started me headed down this road for workplace diversity. And all the other stuff that you mentioned, the Forbes Coaching Council, uh, TEDx Harlem is kind of a, a project that came out of just being part of the TEDx platform and then uh black box and all of that stuff really is just related to my, uh, my assignment here in this space to, uh, to advance workplace diversity. Like I'm committed to it. I feel I was put here to do it and to have impact. So uh, here we go. Do you want to promote your product or services to your target audience, but don't know how do you struggle with social media marketing and management? Do you have challenges of lead generation for your business online? Well, look no further. Get More Clicks Media helps with SMS, MMS, and email marketing. Also, social media marketing and management, video marketing, lead generation, brand recognition, SEO, e-commerce, and website development. For more information, please visit getmoreclicksmedia.com. That's getmoreclicksmedia.com. 21 years later, I'm still kind of waving the flag. That's great. And you survived 9-11, right? Survived the 08 crash. And then Dr. B, it's crazy that you mentioned 08 because I tell people, so we were, we were just a diversity recruitment firm. That's the lane that we were in. Sure. 08 crash happens. People that we place, because a lot of our clients were financial service clients, yeah. they come back to us and say, hey, Ken, I'm trying to get another job. Can you help me? And I'm speaking to them about LinkedIn and African tracking systems. And they're like, what in the world are you talking about? Like I was speaking another language to them. And I said, oh, we need to bring people up to speed on some of the new tools of job search. And that's how we started doing a lot of the career service projects. And in turn, Forbes Career Coach and all of that stuff that kind of provides the tools and resources for individuals that are looking to uh, secure job opportunities. 
That's awesome. And LinkedIn kind of started around that time. And yeah, you know, yeah. and we were, we were early adopt early adopters, right? So we, <laughs> we were on LinkedIn and everybody's like, I don't have a LinkedIn account. I don't, I'm not looking for a job. And I'm like, it's so much bigger than that. It's about your brand, like brand or be branded as JT O'Donnell says. That's and uh, we started doing workshops on branding, job search, networking, interviewing, behavioral based interviewing, applicant tracking systems. So yeah, here we are. Here we are in 20. That's how we met, right? We kind of connected on LinkedIn, right? You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's an unbelievable tool. I'm, I'm, I, you know, I have no no vested interest in, in in promoting LinkedIn other than to say that it's a great tool. And, and they have some great people over there that work for LinkedIn. I've done some workshops through the uh, Urban League Digital Career Success Series, and they've came on our, our platform. And, and I love that group over there at LinkedIn. Good people. Shout out to them. Maybe an opportunity for sponsorship. That'd be <laughs> nice, right? Wink, wink, right? Let's keep a LinkedIn brand, right? Exactly, exactly. So I, I did some research as well, right? According to Zipia.com, uh, and it's interesting how you mentioned the the, the CEO before. Since the Fortune 500 has been uh, first established, the Fortune 500 list in 95, only 19 black CEOs. You know, of course, there's a lack of diversity there. Also, out of 1,022 people in public administration, executive office, and legislative bodies, uh, black, black, black or African-American represented at 17.8%, and Hispanic or Latino represented at 12.8%. So what do you think? Uh, I know we, uh, I know in half an hour we can solve the, all the problems. What do you think we could, uh, what do you suggest we could do to kind of help change that? Yeah, you know, um, numbers are disparaging to say the least. Uh, you know, I think some of the public administration numbers, they're probably higher than I had actually originally imagined. But uh, I can only speak to the corporate space. And what I think is is equally concerning is that if you look at the pipeline under the CEO space, it's still kind of follows the same trends, right? Still aren't a lot of people of color, still aren't a lot of women. Um, all right. Yeah. So, you know, you'll have people to say, yeah, but there's been some improvements. It's marginal. And I've been doing this for a long time. And I know every year it'll happen again in 2023. All of these people will jump into the front of the room and say, we've set standards and, and initiatives to advance workplace diversity. And our goal is to get to, I don't know, X percent. And then it doesn't happen. So what we can do is just continue to uh, put the pressure on the leaders of the organizations uh, to to kind of walk the walk, right? You know, like, all right, you guys are talking a lot, but we need to see action. Um, I know people say that diversity, equity, and inclusion, workplace diversity, all of that, that, that it's, it's, the, it's the right thing to do. But, you know, the bottom line is, uh, and they, they say they see the ROI, but the bottom line is that, it doesn't matter. It hasn't been happening. So we need to see action. And uh, I think sometimes the way to see action is just to keep the pressure on and keep exposing people for what it really is. The numbers aren't moving. And in and, and some cases, surprisingly enough, they're regressing. Um, so with that being said, you know, the only thing we can do is hold the leaders accountable consistently. And maybe sometimes that's financial variables on some recruitment metrics I don't know. I'm still, I go back and forth on how I feel about that, but uh, I just think there needs to be change and, and we need to try a lot of different models to, uh, to, to support change. 
No, agreed. Yeah, just put the pressure on leadership and and yeah, and at, and at the forefront for diverse hiring and and create a pipeline, right? Yeah. So, so that kind of make change that trend. Absolutely. Indeed. Sometimes you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not one for finger finger pointing, but yeah, sometimes you have to bring people out front and say, "Hey, you're talking about it, but in your tenure, this is what what's actually happening." Right. You know, and then then maybe maybe uh, you can see some change. I speak in my TEDx about the. CEO uh, action initiative. And, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes we, we go broad lens with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like there are a lot of people in the conversation right now. And I think, you know, we might need to, to disintegrate the data and say, here's what's happening for this group. Here's what's happening for this group. Because right now, as they say, the biggest winners in the diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, conversation have been white women. And I'm not sure that was the initiative initially. Right. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. Which pivots into my, uh, segues into my, uh, you know, one of my final questions. So, um, so what trends do you see? This is more general, right? So obviously unemployment is still at 3.7%. 263,000 jobs added in November, but why you still see or hear uh, that there's a labor shortage? Do you think it's because folks are starting their own business? Do you think it's like folks are going back to school? Uh, you think folks are just sitting at home collecting unemployment? <laughs> a little bit of the all, it's all of the above. What do you think? What do you think? There's a disparity there. <laughs> no, this is a crazy time to have this conversation because I just had a conversation about about uh, a friend of mine's sister. And really, she's just sitting at home. Literally, right before we got on, I had about this. I don't think that's the challenge. And, and, and for this conversation, sure. uh, I'd like to say, you know, it's a combination of, of, of a lot of different things. Um, you'd be surprised, I think, at the frustration that people have. Uh, and I think the pandemic put that into warp speed, people looking and saying, you know what? I need to do something else. I need to pivot. Maybe it's a maybe it's an IT career, right? So you have some people that are really out here trying to upskill in an effort to come back into the marketplace in a better situation, right? So you have some of that. You also have individuals that said, you know what? I'm gonna take my ball and go home. I'm gonna start my own business. And uh, you have some really, really amazing people that have decided to take that route. And look, they were executives at XYZ Company, and now they have a, a, a thriving candle business, right? It's But, you know, the point is they've taken control over their career, uh, and, and they just got tired of being looked over or passed over, should I say. So I think you have a lot of different things that are in play, but also I think there were some people that just realized that they were a little burned out and they needed some time off and they'll come back into the space for the right opportunity. Or, you know, listen, I meet people every day that said to tell me I drive a Uber or a Lyft right now. Uh, you know, I'm taking classes, but you know, I'm, I'm doing the Google IT certificates, which we offer in black box, by the way. Uh, I'm doing the certificate program to get upskilled in the IT ranks and then I'll come back in. Uh, but I, I just I want to come back in with some some with an arsenal of things that will allow me to secure better employment opportunities. 
you know, so I think I think that's a piece of it as well. That makes sense, right? A lot of people take you know take, taking a step back to, for two steps forward, and like you said, with, with the flexibility now of Uber or Lyft or DoorDash doing that on the side. Right, yeah. There's yeah. some other ways to make money right now, and uh, you know, again, I don't. I'm not saying that to everyone. Uh, I do think there are some. You know, there's a lot of different factors that that come into play when we talk about why that number looks like that. Uh, but I think those are those are some of the things you, I think people would be surprised if we actually really took a deep dive into the numbers and, and, and they'd see what's happening. Exactly. Because it's really interesting. Every time I get into a lift and I say, well, what do you do? Yeah. And like I, like I was in Detroit and uh, the guy was like, well, you know, I'm an HR. Uh, I'm an HR manager. But uh, look, man, I got tired of letting like he was in charge of letting hundreds of people go and it burned them out like during the pandemic it just burned them out so he was taking some time off and i respected that yeah no absolutely 100 percent. no yeah same here every time i get in an uber i, I to talk, talk to the folks and you'd be surprised at college graduates yeah. or you know just doing it on the side or trying to build something so it's very interesting how exactly. you know, yeah it's, it's it's yeah. No, I, I'm going to start recruiting straight from Ubers, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Purposely, like take a cab from like downtown. <laughs> I'm going to take them like every ten blocks. I'm exactly. Oh, which segues into like my uh, last question, right? Well, next to last question. So, what advice would you give someone if they're looking for work today? What's the first thing they should be doing? Is it? I I always say LinkedIn, right? Make sure you have your profile, but. Maybe, I don't know, maybe something you want to add to that. Yeah, I th- you know, I think LinkedIn's a good good place to go. I think the answer to my question is is strategic networking, and LinkedIn's a really good place to do that type of networking. Uh, and by strategic, again, I mean, you're presenting yourself, you're a business of one. Uh, LinkedIn is a branding tool above all other. Uh, so make sure that your profile's right. Make sure that it indicates what it is that you are, a subject matter expert in, what you are interested in, what you are looking to achieve, uh, and then go out and connect with individuals that are in that space that may be able to support your uh, job search. I think that's the first thing I would do. I would leverage LinkedIn to no extent, but when, but I would leverage it with the intention and with the goal of building real relationships outside of the platform. We're in a virtual world where people don't really need to meet people face to face, but I think there's real value in it if you can. And if you can't meet them face to face, put yourself in a situation where you can offer value to them. I think LinkedIn oftentimes becomes a one-way street. People reach out and say, hey, uh, can you buy this service from me? Hey, can you help me do this? Sometimes I think we need to refocus it and reposition it and and maybe reverse engineer it where we reach out and say, you know, I think this might be a great opportunity for you. Hey, I got something I got going on here. Maybe you'd like to be involved in it. I think we need to start offering more instead of asking for it so much on, on the platform. 100%. All about that reciprocity, right? It's a two-way yes. street. Absolutely. Uh, Kenneth, how, where can people uh, find you if they want to if they listen to the show, they want to, you know, connect with you or do business or help, you know, connect with you further. They can find me in Harlem, New York. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, if you go to eastcoastexecutives.com, once again, www.eastcoastexecutives.com, uh, you can find me, my contact information. You'll find all of our 
uh, social media feeds, IG, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, of course. And uh, that's a good place to find me as well. I'm, I'm constantly on LinkedIn, as Dr. B will tell you, um, just trying to add value to my network. That's my goal, uh, to advance workplace diversity. And if you get a chance, please check out the face of workplace diversity, the TEDx talk from me, Kenneth L. Johnson, uh, and uh, hit the like button, man. We're trying to build that build that brand and let people know that uh, we are committed and we are the ones waving the flag for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Thank you, Kenneth. It's a pleasure having you on my show. It was a fun conversation and we, you know, we learned Always. a lot. So. I look, I can't wait to have you on the Black Box app podcast, man. I'm going to send you the link so we can, we can link up and do Let's this do again. It. Let's do it. Sounds All good. Right. Kenneth Johnson, everybody. Take care, everybody. Has the pandemic changed the way you prospect today? Do you struggle prospecting for new leads for your business? Do you have challenges and don't have a process when networking at an event, either virtually or online? Well, look no further. Borja Consulting Group's Transforming Your Way to Success online course is a solution. In this eight-week intensive course, you will go from networking novice to networking guru. As a bonus, 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 two coaching sessions with Dr. Jairo Borja himself are now included in the course. Don't miss this amazing opportunity to transform your pipeline, increase quality leads, close more deals, and transform your way to success. For more information, please visit our website, www.borhaconsultinggroup.com. That's www.borhaconsultinggroup.com. Hey, everybody, this is Dr. B here. Hope you enjoyed the episode with Mr. Kenneth Johnson. Amazing man. Uh, great platform and great opportunity to share resources and share how we have a lot of things in common. Hope you enjoy the episode. See you next time.